90% of the They didn't see you. The marketing automation discussion. Hello and welcome to the marketing automation discussion. I'm your host, Benjamin Bowman. Today, we're talking about chatbots and conversion rate optimization in our two-part episode with Paul McKeever. Paul is the founder at Continually, a no-code chatbot solution, and he is an absolute brain for everything marketing and chatbots. We'll talk through a bunch of key strategies, including how and why to use chatbots, Paul's approach to chatbot strategy, conversational versus formal language in bots, complexity versus simplicity in bots, when to use live chat instead of a bot, and lots, lots more. This interview is packed with actionable information, so I hope you enjoy. Hi, Paul. Thanks for joining. Hey, thank you so much for inviting me. Great. So let's jump in. First things first, do you mind giving us the usual quick introduction on yourself and what continually is? So Continually is like a no-code tool for building chatbots. Uh, we make it really easy for anyone to add a live chat or a chatbot to your website without any technical expertise uh, so that you can better serve your customers. The business started in 2018, so it's a couple of years old, and we have customers all over the world uh, and thousands of people using our chatbots in lots and lots of different countries. Got it. And just to clear the air, while I'm personally a fan, it seems like chatbots have gone through a little phase where it was quite trendy for a moment, but these days it's gotten a little calmer. You know, what's been your experience and how do you think the product category has changed over the years? It's a great question. And so there's a, I suppose, a general trend uh, where ideas become popular and everyone gets excited about the possibilities that they hold. And it's always hard to live up to the hype. And so what I suppose I saw happen is that there was tremendous enthusiasm for something that was a vision of what might be possible in the very distant future, you know, in the long term. And what happened is that it was very difficult to realize uh, and live up to those expectations. So a lot of the initial thinking around chatbots in 2016 that I saw were consumer brands like 1-800-Flowers setting up a chatbot and thinking of chatbots as a channel for distribution and as a way to build reach on platforms as an alternative to things like search. That's not what I think has been the most interesting thing about chatbots. The way that I think about it is that there's this sort of interesting progression in the interfaces that we use to interact with technology. I suppose I take that perspective because my background is prior to continually and prior to being a product manager, I started my career working in user experience in the UK, starting around almost 20 years ago, which makes me sound very old. Um, and when I was really quite quite young still, I left university and you could still build uh, websites with tools like Macromedia, Dreamweaver, and you know these sort of early publishing tools. But it was all still very, very early. And what we found at the time was that the technology to make it possible to serve information was incredible. But it often led to really frustrating experiences for customers because if you were trying to find information, the way that those sites were produced were really a function of the technology that was possible rather than people thinking about what 
you know someone was trying to achieve this all sounds very obvious now but it really wasn't then and and what you've seen is as we've gone through time the bar to interact with technology generally and the bar to produce and share information and to distribute that information um, has been lower and lower and so you've gone right the way through to today where instead of having type uh, you're typing commands into a command line or producing HTML pages by hand, you have great no-code tools. And we're seeing that with uh, experiences like chatbots too, that instead of looking to build the most advanced chatbots, what most companies have been doing is looking for tools that make it easier just to get started. Definitely. When it comes to chatbots, I've seen a lot of people try to leverage chatbots for customer service or not really having a defined strategy or use case. How should we be thinking about chatbots And what would you say is one of the most compelling use cases? So I think a lot about chatbots for conversion. And I think it's a great example of where chatbots can be really effective. I think that because if you look at what businesses and marketers are trying to do generally, the business problem you're tackling there of trying to help people who are interested in buying and giving them the information and help they need to make a decision and to persuade them that you're the right company to help them, it's a really perfect tool for things that chatbots are good at. So if you look at the the challenges in conversion generally, then the success for conversion for me really is about how effectively you can address the challenges that that buyer has. And chatbots are a tool or a platform for making um, experiences better for people. So it's a good fit. All right. In your experience, are there any particular industries that can get the most out of chatbots more than others? So I see a couple of things across the, the market and from the from the people that I talk to. And so the, the first is that I do see a greater prevalence and adoption of chatbots by B2B software companies is the kind of probably the early adopter space where the, those are the people who would have been the customers we first saw. So I think about Continually's first 50 or 100 customers, they were by far the biggest segment together with marketing agencies as well, because they're often um, keen to demonstrate use of innovative new technologies and to show the world, you know, this is what you can do and we're experts, you should hire us. So we definitely see if you're in one of those two markets, you're probably already using chatbots. And if you're not, you really should be. Um, And then after that, there's actually a really broad distribution and we see businesses in every industry generally all getting pretty good results so that could be everything from professional services people in law firms and accountancy people who provide consultancy it could be businesses that have a presence in the real world so you know we see businesses like hotels for example which wouldn't have necessarily sprung to my mind you know it's very different from say a b2b software company so again it's something completely different right down to small local businesses so you know, there's a, a local hairdresser in the UK using a chatbot. I mean, so it's something that really can work pretty much anywhere. The areas where you, you might want to think a little bit more carefully is in regulated industries. So maybe in somewhere like health, for example, wouldn't be as familiar there because it's something that you have to think carefully about the information that you provide. But I'm sure there are some great examples too. Tell me a little bit more about how we should be approaching chatbots. If we had to build a tactical framework around employing chatbots to improve conversion, what would that look like? 
So the, the, there's two frameworks that you might want to think about. Kind of going back to my days working with the web prior to chatbots, a conversion framework that I found to be really helpful was the Lyft model by Chris Goward. So he he uh, did and probably still runs a consultancy firm on conversion optimization. But what I particularly liked about Chris's approach is that he was able to distill conversion optimization into this model. He called it the Lyft model. And if you imagine a sort of a, a diagram of an airplane trying to take off, and I'm going to do injustice to his model for sure, but the idea is that you have your your value prop trying to take off, and there are these different forces affecting it. And so, the five factors that were um, in his model were relevance and clarity. So, if you can increase relevance and increase clarity, you're helping the airplane take off. But it's also weighed down by distractions and anxieties, which are sort of pulling it back to earth. And it's propelled from the rear by urgency. So you've got these six kind of components of the conversion. um, And I found it to be a really simple, clear way to always think about, well, if someone's going to convert here, yes, there's lots of context you can take into account. But what are the factors um, from those kind of different areas that are in play? But when I think about the chatbot then, that's a really great model because it starts to let you think about, well, what's the value that the customer is trying to experience on this page and what is it that they're trying to accomplish? So you have to have in mind a really clear value prop uh, to start to to build out the the structure and the approach to the chatbot. And actually, if you go back to some of that discussion, thinking about how web pages work and what are some of the limitations of a web page compared to a conversational interface. Some of the really rich areas for improving conversion are because a buyer has questions that they want to get answers to. So they need information. And if you imagine, let's say, one of the, the industries we talked about, let's say a B2B software company or a, a law firm or an accountancy firm, you're going to have uh, questions that the buyer has in their mind that you didn't anticipate at the time you built the page And so there might be something that is not clear. So you might say, we offer a special tax advisory service on uh, XYZ. And the person reading your content might not know what you intended or understood. And so the great thing about the chatbot is that it allows them to ask questions and to gather more information on their areas of interest. So that's a general approach, I think, to conversion that leads you into a great sort of planning or ideation, ideation process around what the chatbot can do. So the second part, Um, that I mentioned is I would firstly look at the kind of scope or coverage that you want to serve with the chatbot. So if I was looking at uh, a customer adopting a chatbot, I would look at the scope of their site in Google Analytics and think about where is the traffic going? So what pages are people visiting and, you know, how much traffic to different parts of the site and what sources of traffic are there? So where are they coming from? Are there particular, you know, is it organic? Are there particular campaigns? Uh, and so on. And I would also think about time of day and I'd look at the distribution of those visitors. So what I do is I look at that scope and that blueprint of what is the site doing? And then I go through it and think, well, where are the opportunities where conversion could be improved by where can we make the visitor experience more relevant or more clear? Where can we remove distractions or reduce anxieties is a good one, something that someone's worried about. Um, Potentially also with something like a promotion, you can increase urgency 
but I would be looking at that scope or that blueprint and asking those questions about what's happening for the visitor. What are they trying to achieve? What are they doing on this page? And I'd use that to generate ideas on where the chatbot can help. And so those are the, the kind of the two frameworks I would think about for that first step in planning out, well, how might a chatbot help our customers? And what generally comes out of that actually is chatbots plural. So it's not about having a single chatbot for the website that's going to serve all of those questions and all of those visitors, really more thinking about, well, actually, I might break up this visitor experience in the ways that we can help. And even on quite a small site, you might have five or 10 different bots that could be helpful. And you end up with a a plan that can be implemented over time. We see, okay, well, of course, we might have our homepage. We want to welcome new visitors and serve some common questions with a bot there. But actually, there are these other really important parts of the customer experience too. And over time, we might go from one bot to a dozen as we build them out and get more and more value. Gotcha. So why would we use more bots versus just building one megabot? Well, I think it's again about how the visitor is experiencing with your site. So let's take that, I mentioned like a tax advisory service. So kind of like one of the great fallacies in web development and building the site generally is people always think about the homepage and I'm going to have a great homepage for my site, but probably half the traffic that comes to your site doesn't come to the homepage. Half the traffic is going to different landing pages. So that could be you have a great article on your blog. It could be that you have some great content. You may have a you know a skyscraper page to generate traffic with SEO. You might have some great resources elsewhere that are linked to. And those are the points at which people are arriving. And so when they get to that page, they're missing the context of all the great thought that you put into your homepage. They're not seeing any of that. They're seeing this one atomic unit that has attracted them. And so if you follow that idea of the site structure and the visitor behavior that you have, then if you only design your chatbot around that kind of neat path of someone comes to the homepage and they start from there, you're missing those opportunities. So what it really does is broaden the scope you can serve. It means that you get better results because you're helping people in places where actually they possibly need it more. Uh, and maybe parts of your site that haven't had the same time and attention potentially, so that there's maybe more scope for you to want to increase the, the relevance or clarity of what you're saying. So what I've seen is it's kind of like filling up a glass where if you build one great bot that serves you know half the visitors that you're seeing, it's hard to be relevant to all of those people. So it's kind of like filling the glass half full and the more specificity you add in each additional bot that you create, so if it's on a particular page, it's serving a particular traffic source, for example, then your your specificity and your relevance helps the customer and it makes that glass become closer and closer to being full. And I think really that there's no limit to how many bots you can build on a site has been my experience. I rarely look at someone who's built bots and think, well, they don't need all of those. It's more just the case of at some point that you reach a limit of diminishing returns. And instead of building another bot for another landing page, maybe your time is better spent trying to optimize one that's serving a really big portion of your customers and trying to fine tune it. So what you're saying here is it's kind of like the idea of segmentation for your email list. You have the right conversations with the right slice of the pie, if you will, rather than serving everyone the same message. That's exactly right. And an an email list is the perfect analogy in the same way that you wouldn't broadcast the same message to everyone on your list. You would think about what type of uh, person they are, where they're at, maybe they're an existing customer. 
versus someone who knows nothing about your business. And you would try to write the appropriate message to them. So the, there's probably some some other comparisons you could make there as well. We talked about kind of the the specificity and the relevance. That's all makes complete sense. But if you think about what you're doing with your email list, you're not just kind of putting factual information uh, you know, into an email and hoping that people find it relevant and clear. You're also trying to build a connection with them. And you know, my perspective is that email is a great way to build an authentic relationship where you can establish a personality. You can use uh, copy. It's very powerful to, to set a personality and a tone that people will identify with. Interesting. When it comes to language, have you seen it work better when people use a certain style of language? For example, being super casual versus being more formal? Yeah, I think that the only way you can really say it is it has to be appropriate. So it's an extension of your business. And so it probably has to be consistent with how you communicate elsewhere. And I've certainly seen that informal tends to be the better starting point. It's very rare that I see something and you think, well, gosh, that's just too, that has too much personality. We should really tone that down. It's, it's almost always the other way. Um, but it's a really interesting area to experiment in. It's the kind of thing where you could run an A-B test. And I suppose you could see, you know, what difference does it make for you? And, and my expectation would be that if you um, write like a human, if you use a few emojis, if you add uh, some interesting visual content like images, GIFs, videos, those are the things that increase engagement for me. And there's also, again, back to copy, uh, a certain skill in the, the way that you write. So it's something that anyone can do, but what I'll often see is someone who will build a bot for the first time and the messages will all be quite long. And so it's written sort of like an email, but messaging is, is short form. And so over time, then you see those sort of iterate to become more and more concise, which is something that you can do with, with practice and repetition. Great. So stepping back a bit, how do you suggest people start here? You know, make one bot as you go or try to make a few... Um, at once yeah I, I would definitely lean towards optimizing uh, a series of smaller bots for particular things that customers are trying to do and so for each bot uh, you know i would take a, a sheet of paper and for each bot that you're trying to, to build that there's a number of different elements it's going to to address but the simplest way to plan it out is just divide the page into thirds and think about and uh, the first column why would someone connect with this bot so what, you know, what is it going to offer them? And then the second column, think about, well, how will the bot build an understanding of that customer and what it is they need? And then the third column, think about what action is it going to help them to take? But if you just do that kind of one, two, three exercise of kind of how will it connect? How will we understand the customer? What action do we want them to take? Then you can quickly see, well, trying to follow that process for everything customers are trying to do across your whole site becomes overwhelming there's so much going on and trying to build and implement the bot trying to improve it over time all becomes much harder to manage because the scope is enormous and so when you break that scope down and you make it much more narrow and think about well this bot is going to serve a particular customer type at a particular point in the buying journey ideally and the narrower you can make it the easier it is to plan and implement the easier it is to measure the easier it is to improve and to make better over time and so that's why 
you know, I, I'm a big fan of just sort of agile and iterative processes in general. And that's how I think about improving chatbots too, is that you, you know, perfect is the enemy of good. So you make something good to begin with. And to do that, it needs to be narrow because otherwise it will take forever. And then you can improve it and see what works and see how you, um, you help the customers over time. Got it. Something I've been wondering about also is when should you use live chat versus an automated bot? You know, is there a particular trigger point or strategy that guides this? So it partly depends on the business and the customer again. So, it, and there are um, a whole series of questions I'd ask you. So the general process I see is companies start by saying, well, we want to use live chat and often they'll implement live chat first and find that it's overwhelming. It's like having a fire hose of interruptions turned on all day. And unless you have a dedicated team whose sole focus is to manage those incoming questions, it, it can be really disruptive, especially in smaller businesses where maybe the there's a, a key person like a marketing manager or a, an inbound sales person who's handling those questions, but has other things to do as well. So what quickly happens is, People either think, well, live chat and messaging is too much work and they give up or they say, oh, it'd be great if we could answer those questions, but we need it to be something that's more manageable. And so you then go through a process of saying, well, which are the questions that really suit a human and that a person is going to need to answer straight away versus, you know, stuff that we want to help with, but actually that answers something that uh, a machine could serve. And so commonly that there's some really good examples if you have um a business and you have a pricing page those questions are high intent so if someone is interested in buying your product and depending on the economics of your business and the price point that you charge you know like you'd probably pick up the phone to a customer to answer their question probably so you know you probably would be happy to help them on live chat as well and that makes a lot of sense if it's a question about a repetitive business process that is expensive to answer the same thing over and over again, like what's your delivery process or, you know, how long do orders take to ship? You know, that's not something you'd want to answer over and over again on the phone. You would want to automate that. So you go through the types of questions that customers have. A common convention that I see people using is to, to look at um, parts of the site. So different stages in the buying journey or different customer types. And only really because it's a quick shorthand to do it. So you might say, well, I'm going to have a live chat option on pricing page or a sales page, but on this general uh, information page, I'm going to switch that off. Thank you for joining and tuning in to part one of two for this episode of the marketing automation discussion. Be sure to look out for the next installment with Paul McKeever coming out soon.